faithfulness, for your goodness, for your kindness toward us. You are a good and loving and faithful God. Lord, we just ask you now to move in our midst, to do what you want to do, say what you want to say. Lord, we open our hearts to receive and ask for eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, we just trust you now to give us exactly what's necessary and needed for this time. Help us to be equipped, fully furnished unto every good work that we, be, we may be used of you to reach this world. We give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're in a series. If you've been with us, you know that. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about the love of God. Okay, if you're behind, you can go back and catch up and go to the website and listen to all those previous messages. But this message is one of the most important uh, that we could ever talk about because it is the New Testament commandment. Okay, and if you've only been given one, probably probably be a good idea to, to get it down. <laughs> you know, to get that thing operative in your life and to get uh, be fully functioning in the love of God. Because if God only gives us one, I think He knows what He's doing. I think it'll help you and I more than we could ever imagine. And, uh, and praise God, it's called the love of God. It's a powerful thing. Let's read in John 13, verse 34, where we have been reading. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another praise the lord it's interesting to me uh, you know just reading that how uh, how if i love you and you love me that those outside of the kingdom will observe our relationship with each other and be drawn to the lord because he didn't say if you love the world they're going to get saved he didn't say, if you love the world, that they'll be drawn under me. He said, if you love each other. I think that's powerful. And know this, that whenever we are avoiding and not yielding to that love for each other, that, now this is heavy right now, hold on, that could impact someone to not receive the Lord. If I'm mad at you, and you're angry with me, and I'm not forgiving you, and you're bitter towards me, someone else might go to hell. Wow. But at the same time, if I love you and you love me and we walk in love and forgiveness and treat each other right, we're kind and patient and faithful with each other, we've got the word of Jesus on this. People are going to be observing us and they're going to see that and be drawn to the Lord. I mean, no, there's a lot more preaching going on than, than what's coming out of our mouths. You know, like the saying goes, what you do speaks so loud I can't hear what you say. And it's our love for each other. When we walk that way and have good relationships with each other, we are impacting the world. How many know churches that are, that are divided, that are divisive? And you got, I think we ought to do it this way. And I think we do it, they should do it this way. How come they're doing it? How come they're acting this way? And all that kind of stuff. How many know they have completely forgotten about the world? And the world sees that and they are not drawn to that. Would you be? I mean, if they were accepting applications, would you be filling one out? I'd like to be a part of that because I want to be part of this side and we can fight. No, but people have enough fights and arguments and troubles in life as a general rule. There are so many people that have terrible relationships, horrible family lives. What do they want? They want peace. Man, they want joy and, and good fellowship and good relationships where people won't stab them in the back, where someone won't undermine everything they do and talk about them behind their back. Do you know any place there where they could go? 
I sure hope the answer is, they could come here. We won't do that to them. We'll love them. When they fall, we'll pick them back up. When they, met, when they blow it and fall into sin, we'll wrap our arms around them and love them right back into fellowship with God. Come on now. We're not condemning. We're not judging. We're not trying to outdo each other. We're all worshiping God and lifting each other up. That's the way we're supposed to act. That's what's attractive to a person in the world. They might not understand all this stuff. Why do you guys lift your hands and shout and sing? Might not understand all that first off, you know, right from the start. But they do understand someone will treat them right. Amen. Now, uh, we've been talking to you about the love of God. And you remember that we, we've been emphasizing three directions, right? God's love to us, God's love in us, and God's love through us. It's important that we know how much God loves us. Oh, it's, it's the love of God that passes knowledge. It's important that we understand that since we came to the Lord, we received Jesus, we were born again, that His love now abides in us. I'm not a selfish, unkind, un- impatient person. No, I'm a person of love. Not because I've just turned on the love switch. It's because I received the Lord and He put it in me. He poured out His love in me, and that's who I am. That's who you are. If you've received the Lord, don't call yourself selfish, impatient. I'm, I'm just working on patience because everybody knows I'm a real impatient person. Not if you're a Christian, you're not. Okay, what you're doing is identifying with the flesh. You're identifying with the old guy, which according to Romans, he's dead. Let's identify with our new nature, our new self in Christ, which says, I'm full of love. Really, you look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and you can, you know, you read about love, joy, pace, and long-suffering, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and self-control. That's really who we are. That's who I am. I should identify with that, not with the the, the way I've always acted, or even the way that I'm tempted to act. Hmm? We need to recognize the difference between who we were and who we are. Too many Christians are identifying with the way they were and not the way they are today, okay? And the Bible makes a clear distinction. You read 1 Corinthians 6 and other places, uh, uh, Paul uses terminology that says, let's just look at 1 Corinthians 6 real quick. Verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But, I mean, it's important to have your butt in the right place. (laughs) But, (laughs) you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God now listen I'll just say this and we'll come back to what we're talking about the things that he listed there all the sinful elements that they were involved with sometimes we think of he's when he says you used to be that way we think that they weren't doing any of them anymore But if you read the rest of the book, they were. There were still a lot of those problems in the church. And he said to them, such were some of you. 
They were still committing some of these acts. Some of them were, but he didn't identify them by them anymore. Someone said, but I've been acting very selfish. Don't call yourself selfish. Don't call yourself a a sexual this or a whatever or a addicted this or whatever. No, identify with your new nature and say, I used to be that way. Say, but I did it this morning. Uh, So what? You're talking about who you are in Christ so that that part of you will overwhelm the natural and the mental side of you, the emotional side of you. I should not identify with sin if I believe that Jesus changed me from within. Amen. And this is the, re- this is the way that we overcome. And that's why I said earlier, we must separate who we were from who we are. And who we are is not defined by what we do. And I know that's how most people look at it. That's how the world would think. I am a child of God, washed clean, filled with the Spirit, changed by His power, been sanctified, been made a new creation in Christ, period. That's independent of how I think. But what I need to do as a believer is let my thinking catch up to that. Okay? And start purposely in my mind saying, I am this. And I'm not whatever that was. And when it comes to the love walk, Of course, it's important for us to identify with the new nature. I'm not just some selfish person. Everybody's just selfish. I'm not. Now, if you're talking about actions, I've been selfish. You've been. In fact, I think we can all identify with that as far as actions and things, uh, mindsets that we've had, things that we've done. But let's distinguish between actions and nature. Okay? We have partaken of the divine nature. And that's who we are supposed to identify with. Praise the Lord. And so God's love in us, that's really what that's talking about. Uh, the world lives in a, in a type of love that's reactionary. You treat me a certain way, and I react to that. I, you do me wrong, I do you wrong. You slap me, I slap you. You hurt me, I hurt you. And, and you treat me nice, I treat you nice. You do me a favor, I'll do you a favor. Okay? But that's as high as they ever get. But as a child of God, I must understand that the love of God is different than that. Really, what comes, this comes down to is a yielding process. I've been changed. He poured out, according to Romans 5, His love in my heart by the Spirit. He poured it out in me, and now I'm learning to yield to that. And why we are teaching now uh, uh, in this part about God's love through us is so we can identify what's the flesh And what's the love of God? When we can see it clearly, it's easier to resist acting like a selfish person. Acting like a self-centered person. And easier to yield to the love of God, which is others-minded. Okay? And so we need to understand how the love of God acts. The love of God is mindful of how our actions impact others. I'm not just consumed with me and my goals and my challenges and what I'm trying to accomplish. And anyone who's in my way, I'm just going to kind of brush them out of the way. No, the love of God is always thinking about people around them. In this regard, not I'm trying to be just a man pleaser, but in this regard that I want to improve somebody else's life. I'm not just trying to fix my stuff. I'm trying to fix somebody else's stuff, trying to make their lives uh, better th- than they are. And so uh, love does not delight in pain or failure of others. 
if someone else is hurting, I should never be happy about that. Even if they deserved it. Even if they asked for it. Hmm. Even if they hurt me before they got hurt. I should not be happy about the fact that somebody else is suffering. And why, say, why do you say that? So we can identify. When those feelings arise, we can say, okay, is this the Spirit of God or is this the flesh? Is this the new part of me, the recreated part of me, or is this the flesh uh, that's motivating me to feel this way? And so we should always be aware of what we do and how it affects, how it impacts somebody else. Look at James chapter 3 with me this morning. James chapter 3. Praise the Lord. James 3 and verse 13. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Are there, is, there, is it ever possible that a Christian could have self-seeking in their hearts? But they've been born of love. Is that possible? They did. They had that struggle. We have that same issue today. He said in verse 15, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly. It is sensual. It's, it's demonic. How many know that the demon spirits, the enemy, works in connection with the flesh? Works in connection with sensual appetites. Okay. The enemy always has, has to have something to work with. It's really true of the Spirit of God, too, how, how He works in our lives. He needs some, some, something to work with. So how, how does He win the world? By us preaching the gospel. By believers living it, loving it, speaking it. God uses something to change somebody else. How does God work in my life? Well, to a great extent, He works in me in connection with His Word. If I have a lot of His Word in me, I know how he thinks. I know what he has said. God's got some tools to work with. If I cut myself off of the, of the resources of God, I shut myself off from the word. I don't ever read it. I don't ever get in, in, in church to hear it. I don't get around those who are word people. God doesn't have as much to work with in my life. Why does it seem like God works in some people's lives more than others? He's got more to work with. So I really want God to move in my life. Give him something to work with. Okay, get some word in there. He's using something. All right. But likewise, when I talk about how the enemy works, he looks for something in the flesh. Desires of the flesh. Whenever we feed those desires, they get stronger. He works with sensual stuff. If we're feeding ourselves with sensual stuff, guess what? The enemy has something to work with there. Yeah, he's got more of a foothold, more to work with to pull people down. And a lot of, a lot of times people, I mean, they, they're feeling good about what they're doing at present. It, it's making them feel good, but they don't know that they're, they're really hurting themselves. They're making it very difficult because they're giving the enemy tools to pull them down. Do yourself a favor and cut some things off so in the future the enemy comes knocking at your door. There's nothing to, nothing to do there. He comes ready to build a structure of his in his life, but there's no hammers, no nails, no lumber, because you haven't been feeding that part of your life. 
Praise the Lord. And so uh, we can see that this is how, how uh, this type of wisdom works. He goes on, he goes on to say, verse 16, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Where is every evil thing? Where there is self-seeking. If I go through my life seeking myself, what makes me happy, what fulfills me, what I want, I am opening the door for every evil thing to come into my life. Some say, I don't understand why I'm just having problem after problem. It's because you are focused on you. It's because you are so acutely aware of your needs and oblivious to needs around you that that has opened a back door, so to speak, for the enemy to come and wreak havoc in your life. Self-seeking opens the door. Love closes it. When I'm focused on meeting someone else's needs, being a blessing to another person, I close the door to the enemy attacking me. Here I go again, preaching better than you're listening. (laughs) He said, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. What's interesting to me is, is that word self-seeking, the Greek word there translated self-seeking is in the King James Bible translated strife. How many know that if you want a recipe for, distri- for strife, it's called self-seeking. Wherever there is strife, you've got people fighting for their own way, for their own rights, for their own position, their own opinion, I'm right. Hmm? But if you will cut off self-seeking... In any family, in any relationship, in any business relationship, cut off self-seeking, you will also cut off strife. Okay? If you find a home where there's constant arguing and contention, I will tell you up front. I don't even have to come over to to, to be an eyewitness. There's a lot of self-seeking people there. Okay? Like we said in other contexts, there are a lot of two-year-olds that live there. Because we know by nature that two-year-olds, they like themselves. They are seeking their self. I was saying in the first service, if we took a field trip today to the nursery, we would most undoubtedly find someone saying, that's mine. Give it to me. And, they're, and, and they don't feel bad about it, right? If another kid has their toy, or a, not even their toy, just a toy, and they want that toy. Many of them that will just go over there and get it. All right? <laughs> Survival of the fittest. <laughs> they will go over there and mine. They'll take it. And you know what they do? They feel good about it. <laughs> they have no remorse. They're not feeling like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. How many know that didn't even cross their brain? That has to be put into them. Parents, teach your kids. <laughs> and uh, has to be put into them. Otherwise, they feel good about it with a cracker or anything. They're just, I'm hungry. There's a cracker. I'm getting it. They don't think about, well, maybe the other child is hungry too. That thought process is not there. Maybe they're having a good time playing with that toy. They don't care. And, and, and the thing is about us, 
There are some adults that really think that same way. It's not about whether you're hungry. It's about whether I'm hungry. It's about, about, not about whether you need something. It's about whether I need something. And they live their life that way. And there's a little bit of satisfaction. But it's very short term. And they end up miserable living their lives that way. Okay? And so we can't live our lives with self-seeking. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll go over there. 1 Corinthians 10. And verse 23. Let's start in verse 23. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Notice what he's saying. He said, I'm not under a law. I can do anything I want. He said, but it's not, not, it's not all good to do. It's not all helpful to do. It doesn't all edify. Verse 24, he said, let no one seek his own, but each the other's well-being. If we're going to walk in this love, the God kind of love, it is love that is consistently and consciously aware of others' well-being. How many know we don't have to think a whole lot about whether we're hungry? Or whether we're tired. Or whether we're bored and want entertained. Those kind of things are ever present. Right? I mean, when the food is, is diminished, used up in your stomach, it starts talking to you. But you must make effort. Make a quality decision to think about when someone else is hurting or has need, or has wants in their life. And if you don't, you will live oblivious to someone else's needs. Yours, you're acutely aware of them, quickly. It's easy to tell. But someone else, it's easy to ignore. Unless something from the inside is internally motivating us to live different than this world lives. And that's, I'm looking. I'm looking in someone's eyes, and I really care about how how they're doing. And I make myself, I, I train myself to think this way. I train myself not to look at you and think, what can you do for me? But what can I do for you? But so much of the time, we get saved and our spirit, our spirit has changed. Our body's still yelping. Our mind is still saying, entertain me and take care of me. And we don't spend enough time in the Word to make that shift to where we start thinking in line with who we are in Christ. And so self-seeking exists. But he said, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Look at the 13th chapter, one page over, page 1,021. <laughs> chapter 13 and verse 5, speaking about love here, he says that love does not behave rudely, It does not seek its own. It's not provoked and thinks no evil. What does it do though? It does not seek its own. Love in me is not thinking about me. It's thinking about somebody else. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 21, the Apostle Paul said, For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. And so selfishness has been a problem for a long time. Selfishness, people being self-centered, has really uh, uh, been around for a long time. And we must do what's necessary to avoid falling into that trap where we're consistently thinking about our own stuff. It is a trap. It makes people miserable in life. 
Amen. Sometimes you'll find people who, uh, their motto seems to be, in other words, this regularly happens in their life. They will say, but you hurt my feelings. And it seems that wherever they go, someone is hurting their feelings. Is that good? (laughs) What do you do with someone who's always having their feelings hurt? It's okay. Is that what we do? Or, Or is there some kind of internal change that must take place? See, you won't get this from our, our culture today. You won't get it in the media. Someone's feelings are hurt. Oh, the government needs to do more for them. Somebody, somebody dropped the ball somewhere if your feelings are hurt. If you're not completely fulfilled in every, in every way, someone's head's got to roll. Because someone, someone missed it. Someone dropped the ball, right? Or maybe, you know, maybe global warming did it. I don't know. Someone, someone's to blame, though, if your feelings are hurt. Well, uh, in connection with that, you'll hear sometimes people will say, but I, you know, my feelings are hurt, yes, I admit it, but I just have a more sensitive personality than others. I'm just more sensitive. Well, is that good? Is it good to have a more sensitive personality, or is it reminiscent of the toddler years now don't throw stones at me I really like you (laughs) but I need to say say some things straight as I was meditating on this I decided to look up the word sensitive and it said easily damaged injured or distressed by slight changes easily offended or upset and then I got to think, I don't really want to be sensitive. But how many know a lot of Christians are easily upset? Slight changes, they're damaged, they're injured, they're distressed over what happens around them. That is not a mark of maturity. That is not a sign that they're yielding to the love of God. If I'm easily hurt, quickly taking offense, it shows me that I am very mindful of me. I am very much focused on me and my feelings and then how everybody is treating me and that is the opposite of the love of God. Are you listening now? Okay. Now, if you use that word, you can use that word in another context and it can be okay. We want to be sensitive to the Lord, right? That means we're paying attention. He can speak quietly and we pick it up. You want to be sensitive to the needs of others, that you can see people, and that's really the love of God. But if I'm just overly sensitive about my own self, I'm going to be constantly thinking about how other people treat me wrong, how someone's doing me wrong, someone's hurting my feelings, quickly offended. And I tell you what, the enemy is at work in that situation. Okay, love cannot be easily offended because it is not focused on how I feel about what you do. It's just not. My feelings are not the focus if I'm walking in the love of God, okay? It's a very self-defeating mindset. You've heard the phrase before where people will say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And mama is a big baby. 
if when she's not happy, she ruins everybody else's day. Huh? <laughs> Listen, if, if I'm not having a great day, you know, if I'm just whatever, I'm going through and being attacked and not feeling at the top of my game, and the moment I walk into the room, everybody else knows it, that is not a good sign. Oh, well, you're just so transparent and carnal. Okay? If every time I'm feeling bad, I ruin your day as a result of it, that is not the love of God. Okay? The love of God, if I'm struggling, I'm not going to drag you in the mud with me, ruin everybody else's day. Huh? You know, if people say, if people say things about you, and I don't mean talking about you, but I mean it's true, that, you know, you better stay away from them today. Or watch out, you never know the mood that they're in. You know, you might be walking on eggshells today. That's a sign that we are too sensitive. <laughs> in other words, we're living with our feelings on our shirt sleeve. And that, again, is not the love of God because that's a self-centered. It's a self-seeking type of motivation and we need to be others-minded. I think it'd be good if I had problems and I, and I didn't even know it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, if they just, I was just oblivious. I was just not paying attention. And I forgot to even worry about them. Look, look at Philippians chapter 2. Listen, the love of God has no strings attached to it. It expects nothing back in return. It is impossible to feel hurt or let down by the response of its recipients. This is really powerful stuff. This is love that passes knowledge. And I guarantee you if we're not taught this. And if we don't see this in the word. And learn how to yield to it. We will not live this way. But it, it's not hurt by others. Jesus was hanging on the cross. Come on this is the best picture of it. Those idiots put him up on the cross. I mean we know he allowed them to. But the. These people, he came down, he could have said, you know, bless me, <laughs> I've come down here from the glories of heaven to live in this earthly body in this fallen world in a fallen state. People are full of sin and selfishness and corruption. I'm walking about these dusty roads and, and uh, putting my head on a rock and, and uh, you know, going through all this. People are trying to stone me. They're criticizing me. And now I'm here on the... Stuff you! How many know he would have been right? Because he did it all perfect. And he could have been justified in saying... Speaking against those who were coming against him. And yet he is bleeding in the most pain, more pain than we could imagine. Both natural and spiritual. Because of bearing our sin. And he in that condition to the very people that were spitting on him. Cursing him. Says, Father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is amazing. He could have said, you know, we would think. He would have been justified. My feelings are hurt. I mean, I've done all this for you, and you've really not reciprocated. And uh, uh, no, but he said, Lord, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. And the next time someone does us wrong, treats us wrong, talks about us, spits on us, puts us on a cross, or whatever else happens, that's the example we're to follow. That's the love of God that is uh, not available to everybody. 
outside of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, so let me say this again. Love doesn't get its feelings hurt. The love of God doesn't. The love of God does not get its feelings hurt. And I say that multiple times because, listen, I have to remind myself of that. This is some serious stuff. And we are so tempted to be consumed with ourselves. So tempted to be thinking about how I feel and what others do to me. No. I want to rise above that. Yield to this stuff on the inside that God's poured out in me. Philippians 2.2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. What are we to do? How does this love work? It says that you are better than me. I esteem everybody else better than myself. I do nothing through selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing. Zero things. Say, but I'm trying to climb the corporate ladder. And sometimes you just really have to have, uh, you really have to do that. Otherwise, people won't recognize you. Nothing should be done this way. Does God want you up at the top? I believe He does. I'm convinced. I mean, who would you rather have running the big corporations and systems in this world except for a God-fearing person who loves Him? God wants you up, but He says, do nothing with selfish ambition. The world will tell you opposite, but we're either going to believe this and all of this, or we're not. God's either going to be in charge and in control of, of our lives, or we are going to be. Our selfish, self-seeking ambitions are going to be. And I say we set that aside and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to help other people get ahead. I'm going to trust you, but I'm going to help other people be fulfilled in, in their lives. Praise God. And so if I esteem you better than me, that's going to affect the way I treat you. If I, treat you, if I esteem you as more important, as better, I'm going to treat you with respect and honor. I'm going to give to you instead of thinking, well, you know, who are you? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know, don't you know what my title is? Don't you know what I've accomplished? Don't you know all I've sacrificed to get here? I think you owe me something. A lot of people think others owe them something. We cannot have that mindset. The love of God says you're better than me. I esteem you better than me. Yeah. And it'll cause us to, to show respect. Praise God. Now Romans 10, 12, 10 says, uh, I'm trying to, trying to speed up a little bit here. Romans 12, 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. How should we treat each other? By giving preference. I prefer you above myself. That means uh, that I'm always looking for a way for you to go first. Everybody look at your neighbor. Say, you go ahead. I'll wait. Look at your other neighbor. Say, you go ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> That's the attitude. You go first. I'll go second. If there's one left, you get it. If there's something I really want, and you kind of want, you go ahead. You go ahead and go first. We give 
preference to each other. Now, this love that we're talking about now, again, the love of God, not, the, not just the love of human, human love, the love of God, it is completely, as we've said, unselfish. It is constantly looking to give, to help, to bless, to prefer, to show honor to another person. If there is nothing in my life to give, then I am crippled in my ability to function in the one commandment I've been given. If I am completely out of resources, I have nothing to give. And I'm saying this so we understand how the enemy wants to work in the life of a Christian. He wants you depleted. He wants you spent. So where you are putting so much out to take care of yourself, you're continually putting everything out, every dollar, every amount of time, every amount of emotional uh, reserve and capacity to take care of yourself, whether he just gets you too busy or whether it's through a tax, but basically you do not have the capacity to love somebody. Now, when I say love, again, let's not revert to that old thinking. I'm not saying you feel fuzzy about them. You don't have the capacity to go, oh, I sure like them. No, I'm talking about true love, the real thing that has feet to it. I'm talking about 1 John 3.18 that says, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and truth. If I really want to make the law important in my life and make it something that guides my decisions and my actions, I have got to be looking for, and I have to remind myself to do this because I'm aware of me, but I'm not aware of you unless I'm motivated by the love of God. I'm looking for a way to make someone else's life better. I've got to give to you. I've got to give to you. If I love you, I've got to give to you in some way. That's the demonstration. In what way? It can be intangible or tangible. Okay? It can be a word of encouragement. It can be love in, in that way. It can be, I, I put money in your hand. Okay? It could be, I give my time to you in some way. I give my effort, my abilities. I give you what I can do. I use it to make your life better. That's really when I'm walking in love. That's really when I'm living this love life. Not when, uh, now don't get me wrong, it's very important, we may touch on this some more, about forgiveness and not being bitter, and, and that's fine, and that's good, and that's very important, but if I'm just not mad at you, okay, well, what am I doing for you? What action am I taking to improve your life? God so loved the world that He gave he did something because he loved so much he was motivated to make a difference in our lives and he gave us his all he gave us his best and if i love others i'm looking for a way and an opportunity to give them my best to make their life better now listen if i'm financially broke i can't be used of god in that way i can't love someone that way god may want me to love you financially 
But if I'm broke, I can't. So those who don't like prosperity, you don't like love. I don't know about that prosperity stuff. It's called the love of God, man. It's called being in a position, being equipped to make a difference in somebody else's life. And if I'm just scraping through, well, it's not important as long as I love the Lord. Man, I have totally missed it. But listen, we should arrange our lives so that we have uh, resources. Not just money and things, but time, but energy, emotional capacity. We should arrange our lives so that we have surplus. Why? Then we are in a position for God at any time to call on us to put us into action. And because it's all motivated by His love. And so part of us, man, I want to relive this love life. I don't want to be self-centered, self-seeking, and just aware of me. Start looking at your schedule. Start looking at your money. Start looking at your time. Start looking at, and what do you have as a reserve? If you're using it all up on you, that doesn't say good things. Okay, now don't be condemned about this either. Wow, I got beat up at church. <laughs> don't feel, that's the enemy if, if you want to be condemned. But listen, take it as a vision. Take it as a challenge. Say, yeah, I want to be, I want to be a lover. <laughs> I want to have this love of God flowing through me. And so I see I need to arrange a few things in my life a little bit differently so that I'm more accessible for God to use at any given time. Some people can't be involved in, in, uh, in church and helping and, and furthering the ministries and advancing of the kingdom of God because they're too busy. That's not good. It's not. Some of I'm just real busy, so I can't. And we're supposed to go, oh, okay, I understand. How about we say, oh, so you really, you know, you really, you really like yourself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I think we seek God and we say, Lord, I want to I be used of you. And I've got to have something to give. I've got to have something to offer. And so I'm going to set my life. I'm going to start arranging things, doing things different. Stop spending so much on me. And so I have that reserve. So I have those resources to give to others. Praise God. Praise God. I believe the Lord wants to take us up. Wants to take us higher. Wants us to have a demonstration of the love of God. I don't want to be ripped off by the enemy by always being spent. The end of every day, at the end of every week, I just don't have anything left to give. It's time to pray. It's time to believe God for things to be different, for things to change. Amen. How, how can you really love your family? Those of you who are married and have families, and so, how can you sufficiently love them if you're depleted? You can't. You can't. And so we honor God by setting things aside for His use. In the Bible, it's called sanctification. You set things aside for His purposes. And some of those things are in us. We set ourselves aside for His purposes so we can be used. Amen. Father, thank You today now. Thank You for Your presence. Thank You for Your Spirit. Glory to God. Thank You for the increase that You are bringing to us. Increase that is manifesting in us, increase and overflow that is going through us to others. Lord, we honor you today, and in the Spirit, we listen to you. 
hearing your voice, paying attention to your call for us to live a selfless life, putting others first, seeking the well-being of others ahead of our own selves. Lord, we listen to your voice as you direct us as to what we should do, who we should bless, who we should uh, contribute towards. You're a good and faithful God, and thank you for taking us up, for bringing increase, for bringing more, and Lord, we do honor you, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Father, thank you for taking us higher. Thank you for taking us higher. Help us to grow up in these areas, Lord. To walk in the love of God. To not be ashamed. Praise God. Father, I pray for those today who've never been saved, never received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Pray that you touch their hearts, draw them to yourself.